You're listening to the Awesome Podcast Network. Welcome to Geekly Dose. I'm your producer, Jesse Sedgley. And now your hosts, Tim Bridgewater and Stephen Nocentelli. Hello everyone, welcome to a brand new episode of Geekly Dose. Of course, this is your number one spot for comics, games, movies, etc., I, my name is uh, Tim Bridgewater. I'm an actor, screenwriter. Uh, you can find me on Facebook.com slash Tim Bridgewater 2. I'm also a creative and action figure web series on YouTube called Batman Dark Force, which you can find TimDog326. And of course, I'm joined my co-host, Mr. Stephen Nocentelli. Hello, Stephen Nocentelli here. Of course, I'm the creator of the comic strip, uh, Real Super, which can be read on your internet devices at real-super.com. That is correct. We have a very exciting show for you guys today. Something kind of new. Stay tuned for a little more information on that. Uh, so I'll just go into that now. Of course, we're going to, <laughs> <laughs> of course we're going to begin Stay with. Stay tuned our, uh, for right now. <laughs> of course, we're going to begin with a comic review, which this week is going to be me. Mm-hmm. You know, every now and then I like to give Steven a little break. So. It is exhausting. But the these comics. <laughs> the beautiful thing about it is that I'm going to be talking about one of my favorite series ever. It's a Dragon Ball Z comic, um, so stay tuned for information on that. And I'll kind of, you know, give a little a little backstory on it just in case you never watched the show or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So we're going to begin with that. And then I'm going to go into the movie review segment, and I'm going to have an exclusive interview with some of the cast and crew from Batman Puppet Master, uh, which is a Batman fam- fan film mm-hmm. that we reviewed on last week's episode. So if you want to hear about a lot of the behind the scenes, the thoughts that went into that, the motivations and everything, stay tuned for that interview. And then, of course, we're going to go into preview review. It's a segment where our producer, Jesse, is going to play a trailer for us, uh, one that we haven't seen before. Mm-hmm. Um, and Stephen and I are going to make our thoughts and predictions on whether we feel that it's going to be a teaser pleaser or a trailer failure. Yes. And then, of course, after that, I'm going to hand it over to Stephen, where he's going to have a game review. Yeah, I'm going to be talking about New Super Mario Brothers 2. The 3DS. Okay. Yeah. So it's new. New. But it's the second one. Yeah, part two. I feel like that's kind of a. Well, the real question is: Do you, <laughs> if you own the first one, do you have to take a sharpie and, and scratch out the word "new" on it? Because <laughs> the first one was also called. It becomes old. Mario, at that point. Yeah. Technically, mm-hmm. they should have to change the name of it at that point, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe it becomes they... old Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> well, I'll get on the phone with Nintendo. <laughs> and then, of course, after that, we're going to go into the wrap-up and talk a little bit about next week's show. So, let's get it started. Um, so, on last week's episode, I talked a little bit about, um, of course, you know, on our 20th episode, which was the podcast before last, Stephen and I counted down our top favorite video games of all time. Yeah, top okay? five. Right. It was fantastic fun. One of those games for me, somewhere on that list, was a Resident Evil game. And mm-hmm. then I mentioned how Ooh, Trey mysterious. Harris, <laughs> Trey Harris from '80s Revisited, actually gave me that game as well as Part Three, Dino Crisis. I actually got a chance to play that in the past week, uh, Resident Evil Two. Mm-hmm. Um, you played through the whole thing? No, not the whole okay. thing yet. But uh, you have to play through it like five times to get the the real ending, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm still on the first playthrough. Uh, whew, it's rough. It's kind of it's kind of rough going back to like the PS1 graphically. Game. It's hard yeah, to. It's kind of rough. Wow. It's kind of rough, but. You, Okay. My my eyes are starting to adjust. Yeah, I mean, I would figure after a while you would just get used to it again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was 
I had a weird experience in the beginning because, I, first of all, I couldn't find my PS1. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, well, let me just try my PS2 because the PS2, of course, is backwards compatible with some PS1 games, sure. but not all of them. Uh-huh. So I just put in my PS2 and it works. Okay. So DualShock Resident Evil 2 is compatible with PS2. Okay. Um, but I started playing the game for a while and then I tried to save... You have to have a PS1 memory card oh. in order to save Do you PS2. have a PS1 memory card? I did. Yeah. I had to find it. Though. It took uh. me a couple of days. Like, I didn't know if it was in storage. So, a couple of days later, I got my hands on it, and I found both of my PS1s. I have one in my, <laughs> I have one in my pocket. You just carry you one around? You could have just asked time? me. Oh, shit. You can save me some time, then. No. <laughs> but I do have one, but it's, like, it's on my desk. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so I found that, so I'm able to save now. It's a nice trip down memory lane. It really is. I mean, you know how on the PS1 and PS2, you can just go into your memory card and see your saves. Mm-hmm. I still have a lot of my old saves on there, and I'm just like, I don't even remember playing these games. What kind of games do they have on there? Um, that was like a couple of the Onimusha series. Oh, yes, of course. Which was also made by Capcom, like the same people that made Resident Evil. Mm-hmm. You know, they aren't, similar yeah. in structure. Exactly. Yeah. I played like... I think there was a, at the very least three of those. There was a bunch all of three of them. Games, yeah. You know, and those games were awesome. It's like Resident Evil, but you're like a samurai. Yeah. You know, <laughs> that doesn't that sound amazing? Uh, so yeah, there was that on there. It had like a game. There's a pretty cool game that came out a while back called The Simpsons: Hit and Run. It was yeah. like Grand Theft Auto, but with The Simpsons in it. I started playing that game, but I never finished it. Mm-hmm. And the save data for that was on there. There was, uh, I think, Manhunt was on there. Well, that was either on PS2 or PS1. Well, Simpsons was on PS2 also. Yeah. But, yeah, man, I'm getting a little confused. Because I looked at my PS2 data and mm-hmm. my PS1 data. You're but... confusing me. <laughs> uh, You're not. Yeah, so I don't know. It was just a really nice trip down memory lane. And uh, although graphically, it's really hard to look at mm-hmm. Resident Evil 2. It's, it's the, still it's the, an amazing game. The pixelated, like, blocky blood. Right. You know? Yeah, it's that. And, you know, in terms of, like, facial features and everything, it's very hard to distinguish. So did you that. start playing it after you had to look for your memory card? Or did you, like, play it and then just, like, have to start over? Right, yeah. That's okay. I but I didn't over. I didn't get too far into it mm-hmm. because um, it's just been a long time since I played the game. And I got to get used to the controls again. You know, the whole inverted control scheme and everything yeah so i knew i wouldn't last too long like i had the hardest time just getting past like the zombies at the beginning of the game Mm -hmm. when i used to just blast past them sure you did i did okay i believe you damn it (laughs) (laughs) but yeah so you know i saved it the first i tried to save it the first chance i got and that's when i realized i went and googled it and said oh i have to have a ps1 memory card Mm -hmm. but once again, I found my memory card, so I'm able to save. I'm going through it now. When you found your memory card, did you find any old games, too? No, I mean, all my games were... I already knew where they were. Okay, you know? I was just wondering. Yeah, I had my memory card as well as both PS1s in like, mm-hmm. this bag uh, that was like in the corner of the living room. So. Okay. Yeah, so Resident Evil 2. I'm enjoying going back through it. The pixelation is pretty challenging, <laughs> but uh, it's still scary, and it's still awesome. Sure. So... Okay, well, speaking of blast to the past, great. There's a great segue. Uh, <laughs> you I'm made sure, it your own. Yeah, I did. I'm sure uh, some uh, some I'm hoping of our readers uh, remember when the, in their youth uh, reading Nintendo Power. Uh, no. Uh, yes. No. Did you not, Jesse? Was that the soundboard did that? Okay. I, did not. okay. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I read it. All right. Well, as I'm sure a lot of people know Nintendo Power has been around for. Uh, I got some facts right here. 24 years, which is a long time. It started. In the, it had a July-August issue in 1988, 
with uh, Super Mario Brothers 2 on the cover. It was although the cover was weird. It had like it was like made out of clay, like the image, like the Mario character, and he had like weird colors. But that's beside the point. The point is, uh, just a couple days ago, uh, they announced that uh, the December issue is going to be the last issue of Nintendo Power. It is coming. It is coming to a close. Yeah. I mean, that's I had sad. I know, and I had some really fond memories. Of, I mean, okay, I'm gonna take our, re- our some of our younger readers back to an era before this whole internet fad started. When in order I don't to remember get, that. you know what I mean? Okay, well, <laughs> it's so insignificant. Well, you now. see, kids, back in my day, uh, <laughs> it is, it is, wow. Uh, you know how you got your your video game news was from magazines. You know, they had Nintendo Power, true. Game Pro, EGM, uh, and you know we had subscriptions to Nintendo Power and eventually Game Pro, but. It's always about Nintendo Power, cause that's how that's how we decided what we wanted to get for the for the Super Nintendo mm-hmm. or or whatnot, and and we had a subscription in the early '90s for a couple years, uh, but yeah, I don't know. It's sad. I, I guess it's just like a reflection of of what's happening currently in the whole print uh, medium and just publications like shutting down because of the internet really taking over in terms of how people get their information. But mm-hmm. but yeah, December. It's going to be the final issue of Nintendo. I think I'm going to go and uh, buy the last couple issues. I feel like I need to. You're going to pour out a little liquor for Nintendo? Yeah, you know. You're going to light a couple candles? Yeah, make sweet love to the magazine. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just, it's, it kind of took me by surprise. I mean, other than the fact that, wow, this magazine is still going. I mean, I knew it was still going. It's just like, I guess I shouldn't have been surprised. Last year, Wizard uh, Magazine shut down. But they still have an online presence, but Nintendo... They're just not gonna have any sort of presence for Nintendo Power at all, and it's really kind of no, no website or anything. No, I mean you know you have the official Nintendo website. I guess that's got all the information you need. It's it's interesting though because Nintendo themselves did publish the book for the first like twenty years, but back in it looks like two thousand and seven, uh, it was handed over to Future USA, which is like a subsidiary of Future, which is I guess like a British publishing house. But anyway. Uh, it's just sad that it's coming to a close, and I feel like I needed to share my thoughts on it. Sure, of course. What? No. I, know. I never, never had a subscription to Nintendo Power. I've kind of talked about this before, just because I haven't had many Nintendo consoles. Mm-hmm. I had like the original NES, and I had a Nintendo 64. Sure. That was it. Sure. <laughs> that was my extent of Nintendo ownership. You know, I no think Wii, I'm... GameCube, any of that. Although I play them, of course, yeah. but I never had a subscription. But I did get a chance to read the, the magazine. Mm-hmm. A few times. So. I mean, you know, it was awesome too. They had like strategies, comics, like based on the games. They would have like strategy guides, like full books that you could also buy. I mean, I always had, we always had Nintendo systems. We had the NES, Super Nintendo. Obviously, I had a Game Boy. I had a Virtual Boy, even uh, GameCube, Wii, all of them had all of them. DS, 3DS, Game Boy Color. Game so this is affecting Game you. Boy wow. Micro. Game on Boy Micro. Level. Anybody out Someone there remember? Had too much money. Anybody out there remember the Game Boy I Micro? I've heard of that before. Game Boy Pocket also. Uh, let's see what else did I have? Uh, I never had a Game and Watch uh, system though. I should I should look into that. The anyway, watch like the Tiger watches. No 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 no. It's uh, before Nintendo had the console or like when they were doing the arcade stuff. They had these Game and Watch. It's kind of like the Tiger Electronic yeah. uh, games. Uh, yeah, but it was their own. Hmm. Anywho, hope you like crap. Nintendo Power coming to a close after 24 years. Well, R.I.P. Nintendo Power. I blame the internet generation. 
Sir, yeah. no, it was not my fault. <laughs> <laughs> That's the internet's uh, generation's official response. Ah, okay. <laughs> it's not yeah. my fault. Through soundboard. Through soundboard yeah. <laughs> but yes, that is definitely sad. Um, Nintendo Power, you know, if you want to just go ahead and send us all a free, bunch of free back issues, we'd appreciate it. <laughs> it's the end of an yeah, era. Why not? Lose what more are you going to do with them? You know? Yeah. Well, send them to us. Yeah. I'm and then sure we'll gotta, sell them and make a lot of money. I'm sure they have them. a warehouse full of magazines. Right. I wish I still had our old issues, though. I don't. We, we don't have any of them anymore. That would have been awesome to still have. I actually just threw away a bunch of my old Game Informers. Mm-hmm. I always, in the beginning, I always want to keep them. But then a couple months later, I'm like, why do I have these? No. Like, I'm not going to read them again, and they start taking up a lot of space. Yeah, on the back of the toilet. A lot of space. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's where you keep magazines, right? Well, yeah, yeah. to an extent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but well, yeah, that's that's very sad. Uh, share your thoughts and your, your very personal stories of your your journey with Nintendo Power with us at geeklydose at gmail.com. Leave us a comment on the Awesome Podcast Network page. Share your fond memories. See if you can relate to Steven on that. I'm so sad. And then we're oh, all going to share the tear. That pisses me Remembrance right of Nintendo Power. <laughs> okay. Well, at this point, we're going to talk more about Nintendo Power. I'm just kidding. <laughs> at this point, we're going to a comic review. So, once again, it's my turn this week. Mm-hmm. So, I decided to just kind of talk a little bit about a comic that I actually just got literally like a week ago. Okay. Um, Jesse's wife, Melissa, was at a garage sale and she saw a comic and she thought of me, so she got it for me. Oh, wow. It's pretty awesome. Of course... I didn't get anything. I just wanted to point that out. Well, <laughs> you got the Mega Man comic you reviewed last time. Yeah. Whatever, uh, dude. Yeah. Of course, it's, uh, it's a Dragon Ball Z comic. As most of my friends, um, when they see Dragon Ball Z, they think of me. I have a very sorted history with Dragon Ball Z. It is That's right. definitely one of my favorite I'm series I'm pretty ever. sure I'm responsible for you owning the DVD collection. You're so. partially responsible <laughs> for that. At least for the first three. Yeah. That's what it was. That's right. Yes. But that started it. I didn't I forgot about that. Yeah. Christmas a couple years ago, mm-hmm. Steven as well as along a couple of my other friends, we had this one Christmas where we all were buying each other's gifts. And then we got together at my apartment and mm-hmm. exchanged them. Yeah. And they all put together and gave them like the first three seasons of Dragon Ball Z on DVD. It was my idea. I was, I was so excited. It was my idea. It had to have been your idea. Because nobody else would have known. They don't know you. They don't know you like <laughs> I know you. But yes. So, um, Dragon Ball Z comic. I, you know, I, I realize not everybody has seen this show. So, I don't want to really just jump into the review of the issue itself. Because you won't really get it. So, I'll just give a brief little backstory about what Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z is about. Okay. First of all, there's a series called Dragon Ball, which is the first series created by Akira Toriyama. Uh, it tells a story of a young boy named Goku who, you know, he's, he crashes on planet Earth as a baby. He's raised by an, an older gentleman, becomes, he calls him Grandpa Gohan. Uh, there's a couple other things in there. You know, he's not, obviously he's not from Earth, so he's <laughs> a quote unquote alien. He's so got Superman, then. He's right. got powers. But but Dragon Ball Japanese Superman. Japanese Superman. <laughs> Dragon Ball is basically just the story of of him as a kid and a teenager growing up, saving the world, fighting evil, and there are these seven mystical objects known as Dragon Balls. And if you collect all seven of them, you can summon the Eternal Dragon mm-hmm. and it'll grant you a wish. Now, 
throughout the course of the series, the specifics on that kind of change. Sure. Okay? Sometimes it'll be two wishes. Sometimes it's a completely different dragon. I noticed throughout the course of the series, they become easier to find also. It becomes kind of convenient yeah. at times. The writing becomes kind of convenient at times later on. But yeah, that's Dragon Ball. You know, you kind of watch Goku grow up. He fights his martial artists. He's badass. He learns powers. He trains. All that kind of stuff. Now, what Dragon Ball Z picks up and this specific issue picks up is is basically the first episode, first issue of Dragon Ball Z. Goku is an adult now. He has a son. Uh, They're basically going back to his old master's homeland. Um, Just to kind of introduce, you know, he's been gone for a couple years and he misses all his friends and stuff like that. So he brings his son along and they just kind of have a reunion. But at the same time. You find out that Goku's not actually from Earth, okay, right? The, the audience knew that the whole time. Goku didn't really know that himself. He didn't know that he was an alien. He thought he was a human, but he was just different. So you find out exactly where he's from and everything because his brother Raditz shows up on the planet Earth, uh, who's a Saiyan. Goku's a Saiyan. It's a, it's a, it's a species. It's a different alien species called Saiyans. Um, like brother Kryptonian. Raditz, Right. <laughs> his brother Raditz shows up, uh, tells him about his true history and his the, the real reason he was brought to Earth. He was sent to Earth as a baby to conquer it. Uh, but when he land, when he landed, mm-hmm. initially he hit his head and he forgot <laughs> what his reason was for being so there. So he failed his Oops. mission. Well, he, he is a f- no, the story of Dragon Ball is the story of a failure. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. <laughs> when, when he was first found, he was like this very angry little child and everything. Uh-huh. And then some accident happened and then he forgot his true sure. origin. Well, he had a tail. And it made him a better. Right. It yeah. made him. He became a good guy from that point on. Sure. So he forgot that. So his brother came back to remind him, hey, you know, you were supposed to have enslaved this entire planet by now. Yeah, like, what's uh, up? I did. What's going on? <laughs> like, I waited twenty years. They're all you doing still what I didn't want. Take over. <laughs> so he's like, "If you're not going to do it, then I'll just do it." So basically, the story picks up with that. You know, Goku and a friend of his named Piccolo, who's also from another planet, um, the planet Namek, mm-hmm. kind of have to defend the Earth from uh, Goku's brother Raditz. Goku's son Gohan kind of jumps in there, helps a little bit. And I mean, this first issue is basically that. And anybody who's familiar with any with a lot of Japanese comics and everything, which of course this was, um, this version of it was published by Viz Select Comics. Yeah. So the translations back, in the 90s. back to English, to English are kind of rough <laughs> in a couple. Kind of rough. Yeah. There's there's some stuff in they there. They ran but. it through Babblefish basically, and uh, no, it's not that bad. It's not like Google Translate bad, but there's definitely some odd. Sentence structuring, mm-hmm. uh, at least that's what I found. But then I don't talk like I'm that. <laughs> I've yeah. never had to translate something from Japanese before, so right. I don't know how hard it is. <laughs> well, um, you know, as many people people who are used to reading manga and, mm-hmm. and watching anime and stuff like that, you know, it can be kind of challenging to do. If you try to do direct translations, it usually doesn't work. No. So if you watch like the Funimation version of Dragon Ball Z, the series itself. They don't do direct translations. They just make it Americanized the way they talk. So it sounds a lot better. seems like they kind of skipped that route with this. <laughs> but it's still great. I mean, the art is fantastic. You can't get much better than Akira Toriyama, one of the original pioneers of Japanese animation. Um, it's uh, The comic, of course, is read from right to left. 
because that's how the original prints were. Mm-hmm. So they want to kind of preserve that whole thing in this comic. And it's it's not in color. There's no color, but it, it doesn't hurt. Uh, anyone who's seen the series, you know, there's, there's not specifically a reason. I, there's not really a reason to read, to, to have both, I would say. Mm-hmm. You don't necessarily need to read the comic and watch the show because it's literally the same stuff. With the exception of some later episodes of Dragon Ball Z that were made as filler to basically kill some time while the comic would catch up. So if you watch the series, you actually get a little bit more than you get from the manga itself. Um, like I said, just because they wanted, they needed filler there to, to catch up. And those are some of the more boring episodes of Dragon Ball Z, but <laughs> who cares? Still like my favorite show ever. Really? You didn't like uh, Go- Goku and Piccolo learning Getting to drive? Getting driver's license? It's <laughs> <laughs> still my favorite. No, that's not my favorite episode, but it always stands out to me. Yeah. Because it, it's ridiculous. This, this show is, is it's very campy in a lot of ways. You know, it, it came, it, this show came about, this comic originally came up in like the 80s. Yeah. You know, it didn't really, it just kind of really blew up in the United States mm-hmm. in the early 2000s and kind of stuff like that. Because I first got into Dragon Ball Z when I was like a sophomore in high school, which was like in 2000. Sure. So, I mean, that was kind of like when it hit its biggest point around here, I suppose. But the comic is great. I mean, if you happen to find it somewhere and you're just a Dragon Ball Z fan, you know, you can pick it up. Yeah. And I do want to point out... uh that if you do want to read it, they sell... Like, it's a lot easier... Like, this is like a single-issue mm-hmm. uh, copy of the first issue. It's a lot easier to collect these things. Because not only do they have, like, just the collection of the issues, but they actually nowadays have, like, collections of the collections in, like, these really thick volumes. So, uh... And I'm pretty sure they're not even that expensive. Right. So, like, if you really wanted to read this, uh, there's there are definitely some good options out there. And I'm sure... Nowadays, like in the newer prints, the translation's probably a little better. Yeah, but I, I would say, um, you know, like like I said, I, did, I didn't buy this. Jesse's wife gave it to me, and I wouldn't personally because I just prefer the anime. If you really want to get the the best experience of anything Dragon Ball Z related, watch the anime. You can get all the seasons on DVD now, and they're pretty cheap. I have all of them. <laughs> I actually, I even have all of them on VHS too. So. <laughs> I have a lot of Dragon Ball Z. Um, yeah, it's a it's a great show. If you like martial arts, power and, and energy blasts and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff, flight. Which, if you're listening to this, you probably like all that stuff. So you know, check it out. Not specifically the comic, but just the series in general. I would say, look, check it out if you get a chance. All, all right. right. So at this point, I told you guys a little earlier. We actually scored an exclusive interview. The cast, most of the cast and crew of Batman Puppet Master. Uh, Very, I want to just say thank you to those guys once again for joining us for that. Very amazing. If you have not had a chance to check out Batman Puppet Master, make sure you look it up on YouTube. You can see it now. Also, BatmanPuppetMaster.com. Go check that out. But at this point, I'm going to go over to, we're going to go over to the, uh, the actual interview itself. So enjoy. Hey guys, so we promised we had a, a pretty cool interview this week for you, and we are joined with the cast and crew of Batman Puppet Master, which is a film that we reviewed on last week's episode, so if you missed that, make sure you go back and listen to that to see what this is all about. But yeah, like I said, we're joined with the cast and crew. What's up guys, how's it going? Good, good. good. Thanks for having us. Uh, very glad to have you guys on the show. Uh, once again, listen to our review if you haven't heard it, but 
Batman Puppet Master is definitely one of the most impressive Batman film fan films ever. I mean, you know, I haven't seen every single one, but I think it's <laughs> I would say that it's, it's pretty up there. Um, yeah. yeah. So you guys take a second to go around the room and introduce yourselves and uh, what your role is on the film. Uh, my name is Brian Nest. I'm the director of the film. My name is Ethan Cushing. I was one of the producers. I'm Will Daniels. I was playing uh, Edward Nigma. Okay. Mike Connolly. I played Batman. And I'm Chris Wilts. I was the screen. Oh. What about Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Just kind of cut uh, out at the end there a little screenwriter bit. Screenwriter is what he said. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> <laughs> so awesome. We're joined with. Uh, I don't want to say the main people in the film, but. Some of the people more responsible for putting it together, basically, right? Yes. So I guess the first question would be, and I think a lot of people are wondering, uh, how did this whole thing come about? Was it just sort of a, Chris, you mentioned, Chris and I kind of talked through email a little bit, kind of mentioned that it was sort of a labor of love. Is that kind of how the whole thing came together? I mean, yeah, pretty much. It was really just, I mean, it's hard to say, like, if there was, I don't know if there was any, like, specific thing that started it. It was just sort of always, it came about sort of basically just from, like, me and my friends just sort of nerding out about, you know, who was going to be the next villain in the in Nolan's next movie. And I was one of those people, like, in my mind, I was like, oh, it's got to be the Riddler. It has to be the Riddler. Okay. And yeah. I had, you know, I had all these ideas in my head about how it could work and, you know, of course, it ended up being Bane, which was actually a pretty awesome, smart decision on its own. But uh -huh. the idea just always kind of stuck with me. And me and Brian and Ethan have a writer's group together. And we were just sort of like bouncing around ideas for shorts that we could do. And I just sort of threw it out there like, hey, why don't we try doing, you know, it's probably a terrible idea. And it could get us probably either a lot of fans will hate us and we'll get sued as <laughs> case scenario but right. <laughs> but i said you know why don't we try this out and i had like just sort of like a very rough like skeleton kind of idea for the script and i showed it to brian and he ended up liking it and we just sort of picked it up from there and just kept working on it and that was that was like literally probably almost a year ago at this point okay <clears throat> yeah that's, that's that's pretty cool because i mean um like you were saying there's always that possibility that you know people would hate you for because you know, uh, the Batman films is one of those franchises that people are so passionate about and you kind of people are very passionate about them. So um, you guys been getting a, a pretty positive response overall, though, so far. Yeah, I think so. Um, it's been probably like 95 percent positive, I would say. OK, yeah. Yeah. Like the big thing was, you know, we put the film out on Reddit, which is like probably like the number one site for people being assholes and. <laughs> <laughs> People on Reddit even really liked it. So I think that was, for me, that was sort of the moment where I was like, oh, people are genuinely enjoying this was when people on Reddit were saying, oh, this is awesome and kind of sharing it around. Uh-huh. Yeah. I <laughs> think the yeah. Reddit community, that's only Chris saying that. Mm -hmm. I don't think you're assholes. You're great. <laughs> nice little disclaimer there. <laughs> well, I think, uh, I mean, personally, Stand one of the things, <laughs> personally, one of the things that I really loved about it, and I think that a lot of people are loving about it is, how closely it ties in to Christopher Nolan's films. I mean, you guys captured the tone uh, of everything. The whole vibe of it is it's pretty amazing. You know, was that um just kind of the main driving force behind it? Or did you guys think about maybe doing something that was just more of a standalone based on the cartoons or the comics? Or was it kind of you just really want to do something set in that, that universe? Uh, 
Uh, I think from day one, it was always written um, involving Harvey Dent and the whole end of The Dark Knight. So we knew right away we were just going to go straight into the Nolanverse. And uh, kind of the idea was essentially to explore characters that we knew Nolan would never kind of get to um, or assume he would never get to. Right. Um, And, you know, I think like all fans, you know, even, even like love or hate Nolan's world, like it's still fun to see the characters in Nolan's universe, like his interpretation of them as opposed to Schumacher's or of course. some some of the animated series. So it's like, you know, people probably are just aching to see, you know, a Riddler version of Nolan or a Mr. Freeze version, uh, a, a Nolan version of Mr. Freeze. And uh, mm-hmm. we just kind of, kind of bring that to life and see what it might look like. And part of it was definitely a calculated decision, knowing that the third one was going to come out and, you know, trying to kind of ride the wave of, of that, sort of publicity you know yeah for sure um i want to say to will uh fantastic job with edward enigma um how yeah what was your did you have a certain inspiration for the the way you portrayed him there was it kind of an um just that you were kind of going with it or was there like a specific type of vibe Uh, you wanted to convey with that i think it was it was really important that it was a that we were not I didn't want to try to portray the Riddler per se I think the the story is a Genesis story so just seeing the beginning of that and and kind of trying to hide behind who that person is or you know what I mean explore that person rather than uh, fully jump into the the more so over-exaggerated version of him? Yeah, I guess yeah. so. And I'm kind of stuttering over words because I admittedly am not a huge comic book fan. Uh-huh. Or not, I'm not, yeah, throw everything at me now, guys. But I, <laughs> I just never got into it as a kid, you know? So I don't know the Riddler or Edward Nigma. I, I found it interesting to kind of pick, pick the brains of these smart guys that you're talking to in the room with me, you know? And they know this world. And I think what I felt was interesting or would be fun to kind of explore was that beginning stage with with somebody who's kind of on the brink of this i don't know if the, you know the nemesis or the arch villain or whatever whatever word you want to give to it but uh kind of the before that you know the the preview or whatever so hopefully that came across a little bit you know yeah i mean i think it definitely did the fact that you mentioned that uh you didn't really draw specifically from like the cartoon version of the Riddler or anything like that because you weren't as familiar with the comics kind of leads to you giving a more uh, unique uh, portrayal of it. Like it's kind of you, you get to put your own spin on it because you weren't so influenced by that version of it. Yeah, exactly. And it, it, it shows through. I want to ask uh, Kevin's there also, right? Uh, no, Wait, no? I'm sorry. Mike? Mike. Mike, sorry. Mike who plays Batman, yeah. Yeah, you know what I was thinking? I was thinking of Kevin Conroy, the guy who does <laughs> the voice of Batman. <laughs> it's not yeah, sorry about that, Mike. <laughs> Mike, how was it to step into the cape and cowl? Uh, it, was, it was hot. <laughs> it was really fucking hot. Really? It's a sexy way. Yeah. It's, uh, we try to do sexy Batman. No, uh, it it's... You know, it's it's a forty pound beast of a suit, at least 
it was about 40 something mm, yeah, like that at least so it transforms you kind of into someone or something a little different just because you're there's a lot of struggles that you don't have to go through just wear i mean just wearing the thing and it, it uh it kind of bleeds into a lot of other aspects of what you're doing you think you're just going to spit some lines out or uh -huh. you're going to come up with an idea for this or that but uh being in the suit does kind of shape and mold where you go with things a little bit so it was it was uh an interesting experience for sure <laughs> well you you did a fantastic job in the role uh most challenging role Thank you, I think. <clears throat> i'm sorry can you say that again I just think it's a very challenging role. I think it's, he did an amazing job. Like, yeah, for sure. So I'm just a fan. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. basically the, the Riddler saying he really enjoyed Batman. <laughs> yeah, and especially with with so many people that nitpick about you know a lot of things, uh, it's definitely challenging to to step into the the shoes of something like that and put it out there, and because you never know what kind of response you're going to get. But I'm glad you guys are getting a positive response. Uh, you guys have a producer there, right, Ethan? Yes, sir. Ethan, could you tell us a little bit about what what did it take to to put this kind of film together? Like the process. Uh, you, can you give us a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you know, initially we tried to kickstart the 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 budget we wanted to raise, um, and I, you know, Brian came to me and said, "Hey, how much how much is this going to cost?" And I came back with a budget of around thirty thousand dollars. You know, paying everybody minimum wage. Uh, renting a location, getting a generator, all that. And Brian said, "Hey, cool! I have uh, five thousand um, dollars." So um, we had to meet in the middle. We had to do a lot of slashing. We had to cut. You know, everybody worked for free, which is a, which is probably one of the biggest struggles was convincing people to come out right. recording. Yeah, just work. You know, twelve-hour days for 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 food and copy. You know what I mean? And and just the experience. Um, and so that was a, a big struggle. Um, and then we. Um, weren't able to kickstart the money. We, we, we didn't want to do the typical Kickstarter thing of like bugging our family and friends to death <clears> on Facebook and, and, you know, just pester everybody for a few dollars here and there. So we tried to, you know, put it out, um, on like the blogs and then the various sort of channels that fans would go to. And it just, it didn't work out. So Brian said, Hey, you know what? Um, I still want to make this, I got to make this good. I can't afford 30, but I'm going to meet in the middle. And, and, and we landed on a budget of around $10,000 that came out of Brian's pocket essentially. <clears throat> Okay. Uh, and again, that was still a real, real challenge to squeeze that for everything it's worth. Uh, we're still trying to sell the suit back uh, for what it's worth. <laughs> we're trying to find a for that suit. Um, but uh, yeah, I'd say the biggest challenge was um, was making those num making those dollars stretch and and really you know convincing people to come out and work for free because um, you know so yeah, a that's lot of that, a hard thing. Not to interrupt, but I think no. that's a testament to the group and the. You know the quality of work put out. You know yeah. the people are willing to show up and <clears throat> sure, you know, yeah, long hours with a group of people that you trust. Where you're going? Yep, absolutely. Exactly. Uh, yeah, we're um, actually a few of us here. We we can relate to that. We're indie filmmakers as well, uh, so we definitely know what it's like to have the challenge of you know when you when you get people that actually want to do something for free. It's <laughs> it's almost like a, a blessing in a <laughs> weird way. Yeah. yeah, it's it's this. So it's it's pretty amazing that you guys actually pulled it off, uh, and and a huge testament to how dedicated people can be to jump on a project like that and just kind of like you say, get some copy and some food. <laughs> yeah, I will say though that you know it it didn't hurt to say, hey, you know, want to come play with Batman for four days? You oh know, right, like, yeah, that, I'm sure that helps. 
<clears throat> even even when I was, you know, when we were put on initial casting call, I got to call Mike and say, "Hey, Mike, you want to come in and uh, audition for Batman?" You know, how many times do you get to hear that? And uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in terms of we, you know, we we kind of looked at we looked we watched the film again today uh, just to kind of prepare a little bit and uh, the the props. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that? I mean, just a lot of the things that we saw in sport, the, the batarangs and a lot of the Batman's gadgets and stuff like that. And uh, some really impressive stuff. I mean, was some of that stuff uh, made specifically for the film or did you just kind of. It was it was pretty much all made for the film, right? Like, really? yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of the gadgets were like. Yeah, a lot of the gadgets sort of like a lot of them were. Brian's idea. I'm trying to remember. Like the tracking device was definitely Brian. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, it was almost like out of necessity because, like, we wrote the script and um, uh, the first. I think one of the first drafts, like Chris wrote this awesome action sequence where Batman's just wailing on guys, and it was you know amazing. You know, it would have been totally awesome if we had a huge, huge budget. But um, you know, we looked at it and we're like, well, we just can't. Don't have the time to film that and. Uh, you know the, the resources, the money to film such a cool action sequence. So I kind of was like, how, how can we build suspense as opposed to action? You know what I mean? Just like uh-huh. get get the audience ramped up, like excited for the action instead of actually showing the action. So we have things like this mysterious ball that comes out, and the the audience is like, oh, what's this black ball? And it, you know, it makes that um, sonic sonic noise and drops everybody to their knees or um, the batarangs that kind of slowly uh, track onto the goons, like again, that's just like s- suspense in place of action, so yeah. that it um, just brings the audience. It, it, it's almost like tricking the audience to thinking there's way more action going on than there actually is. Uh-huh. And our effects director deserves a lot of credit for that. Uh, Clayton Root did all the CGI and visual effects on it, and you know those were just you know batarangs we bought online, spray painted gold, and Clayton you know put those charging little led things on it he, he made that whole sort of 3d tracking device which was just pieces of wood from like a craft store that he put that whole thing in you know okay. and even the sonic ball sonic ball was a toy uh, a death star toy we bought at toys r us <laughs> he painted black yeah. and then he animated the, the movement to it you know yeah shout out to our production designer and yeah Lindsay. yeah oh definitely yeah it was I mean, like like we said, uh, I mean, just just overall, the the entire presentation of this thing is is just it, it really is amazing. I mean, you guys did um, kind of uh, you set a new standard in terms of fan films. I would say uh, there's there's a lot of of them out there. Obviously, I've personally I've only seen about three good ones. <laughs> uh, and you guys have taken the the title for the best uh, so far. I want to talk a little bit to um, I'm sorry, the director Brian. Yeah, Brian. Um, how how was this for you? Um, is this kind of a was this kind of a new thing for you as a director, kind of going toward doing something more of a fan film, uh, you know, in the superhero world? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's it's very interesting because you know, as a group, even we've made tons and tons of projects before. Um, I've worked with Will a lot, and uh, it's just interesting taking um subject matter that you have like a built-in audience mm-hmm. already um because there's automatically like expectations there's automatically you know you, you could make like a batman fan film on your iphone put it up and you'd get like ten thousand hits probably on youtube instantly just because people are like 
creating it. So right. there's like a, there's like a little more pressure, I think, um, in dealing with it. Um, but we just kind of from day one, we're like, well, we knew we weren't going to be able to compete with the Dark Knight Rises, obviously. <laughs> um, but we were like, so all we did was we just took it like a normal film um, and uh, focused on the story. Um, like Chris said, we worked on the screenplay for probably six to seven months, maybe. Um, and, you know, I'm a big rehearsal director, so Mike and Will came over and we just rehearsed the hell out of it. Um, weren't trying to be like, we were living in the tone of Nolan's universe, but we weren't trying to necessarily be Christian Bale or be a specific type of Riddler, like a specific Riddler character. He was just a narcissist. Mm -hmm. So we, at the end of the day, it's just bare bones filmmaking. And we just looked at the story. We let Chris handle all the nerd fan stuff. You know what I mean? Like, I think like (laughs) similar to what, you know, Will was saying, he's not a big, uh, you know, comic book, uh, nerd or anything, Uh but Chris is so invested in it and he, you know, it's written so tightly to the Batman universe that Will could just come in, play the character written on the page and all of a sudden it feels like the Riddler. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I think it's a testament to like Chris, obviously for being so like loyal to his idea of what (laughs) Batman was. And then all the other filmmakers who maybe weren't as into the comics, like they just did their thing and it kind of, translated through the script and then onto the screen mm-hmm. okay yeah and i know that it's um it's it's always good to have at, <clears throat> sorry uh at least one person who's the geek right because then you have to yeah that yeah. person has to be there to make sure all the little, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it kind of worked out too because i think chris's favorite uh batman character is the riddler and mine is by far scarface so yeah we were both like very committed to the characters from our own like perspectives um and there was and we had a lot of there was a lot of stuff in the script where just having to you know there's a lot of stuff where brian would do like you know why can't we have him do this or why can't he say that and i'm just sort of like just trust me on this like like we will like there's a lot of nerds like me who will be mad if we have batman do this or that and it's like okay just believe me yeah exactly (laughs) you know it's 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 funny that it's funny that you say that um I recently just myself made a short film with action figures and <laughs> my my lead character is Batman. And even just doing a five minute action figure film, I still had the same concerns. I was thinking about how many people are going to, you know, be mad about the way Batman is portrayed or anything. So I can I can imagine that that would be the pressure would be, you know, five times as much when you have live action. Yeah. Is that the film where um, uh like the Heath Ledger Joker turns into the Jack Nicholson Joker. Oh no no, <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, mine is called Batman Dark Force. Uh, yeah. It actually has Iron Man in it and a couple of other people. Oh, okay. <laughs> no. Cool cool. Yeah. yeah there's, there's a lot of pressure, but then like at the same time you have to. Just for me, it's like Batman has been around so long, and it's like. Every person, ha- like you say, like you can go to 10 different people and say who is Batman, and you'll almost get 10 different answers. Like, you know, mm-hmm. some people love the Adam West Batman. You know, some people like the old school, like people like prefer like the Dick Sprang sort of Batman. You know, some people, you know, like I was always a big fan. For me, the definitive Batman is definitely like the Batman the animated series is kind of how right. I came. Yeah, yeah. 
And, you know, there's going to be, you know, in 10 years, there's going to be people for who, you know, Christian Bale is going to be the definitive Batman because they won't remember anything before that. And, mm -hmm. you know, there's, you know, it's like it comes. So it's like there's a pressure because you have to there's, you know, everything is good in its own right. So it's the pressure to be at least as good in your own right. Mm -hmm. So it's it's an interesting thing because there's a sort of there's a freedom that comes with it. But there's also like there's so much that's been done with it. You almost you know, you still have to think about certain things and not try to push it too far. And it's a double-edged right. sword. It's a double-edged sword because, on the one hand, you have a built-in audience, like as Brian was saying. You know, you can shoot something on your cell phone, and people still just want to see. They're, they're voracious for more Batman content. You know, so that's great. But then the other side of that coin is that people are going to be very, very critical because this is something that they hold near and dear to them. And that, like, yeah. you know, if you come in there and mess it up, like, God help you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they'll definitely tear you apart. Especially put it on Reddit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Reddit, we're gonna get killed. No, I love, I love Reddit. I love. <laughs> no, I'm the, I'm the Mitt of Reddit. <laughs> well, we can anyway. definitely say that. Um, you know, just talking about in, in general uh, how much Batman means to people, and I feel like you guys have have made your your staple in the you know just in the whole mythology of batman in terms of film and everything i mean it's it's really it's really very impressive i mean very kudos to you guys for putting together something that amazing uh Thanks so much. Thank yeah. you very much. and we wish you the complete best we don't want to hold you too long i know it's a friday night you know mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but um i definitely thank want to thank all of you guys for coming along um what's up next for you all uh, that's the next big question. Uh, we've had a lot of like fan love and people wanting to see a sequel. Um, we're exploring the idea of doing a completely different superhero um, whose name I don't want to say out loud. Um, okay. a, a fan film for that or possibly a feature. So we're still kind of, we got a lot of stuff uh, in the works. We're just kind of trying to be like, which one are we going to spend the next year of our life on essentially? Yeah. And, yeah. and to, you know, we, 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 we could set up some meetings with this material and, and, and go in there. And the first thing they're going to ask, like you just did, is, well, what else do you have? You know, and, uh -huh. and we say, oh, well, we have uh, Ant-Man. You know, we don't have the rights to that. You know, we're, we're, we're putting together some things that, that we can option that we have the rights to so they can say, oh, you did that much with that amount of money for Batman. Now here's some more money for something that you own the rights to. And uh -huh. let's make you know, we, we want to take this as a stepping stone with as much appreciation and love as we have for everybody who's supporting it. But, like, let's go out there and make a, a movie that people can see in the theaters. Of course. Of course. Sounds like the logical next step. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, guys, I want to thank you once again for joining us on this episode. Um, right now, you can view Batman Puppet Master at the director, Brian Ness, uh, your, your YouTube page. That's one place, right? Yes. And you guys also have a website, BatmanPuppetMaster.com? Yep. Okay. Yeah. Anything else out there you guys want to talk about that you have out there now that you just may want to give a little Twitter shout out to? Or something. Twitters or uh, Twitter handles, anything like that? or? Um. Yeah, you can follow basically the whole cast and crew. We have a shared Twitter account. It's at, at Daily Riddler, one okay. word. And we're also, you know, if you go to Facebook slash Batman Puppet Master, we have a nice little Facebook community we're building up there, too. So and we're still putting content. We're, you know, we're working on a behind the scenes thing. We're working on some other things as well. We want to keep, you know, keep the momentum going and keep giving back to the fans who've given us so much so far. Oh, 
That sounds great. I mean, and personally, I love when <laughs> I love all that extra bonus stuff myself. So I can't yeah. wait to check it out personally. <laughs> all right. Well, Thanks, yeah, we're going to take the time now and thank you guys once again, everybody, the cast and crew for Batman Puppet Master. Once again, look them up on YouTube. Uh, as well as BatmanPuppetMaster.com. Guys, thanks for joining us. Uh, we know it's kind of late. We appreciate it very much. Thank you, man. Thanks, right. Thank right. thanks for listening, guys. Yes, yeah, so once again, that was the interview with those guys. I uh, hope you enjoyed that and make sure you uh, listen to everything they said and check out everything they said to say. Um, how did you guys feel about the, the interview? Yeah, it went really well. And, yeah. uh, you know, I want to thank them for coming on the show. Um, of course. Because it's kind of, I mean, I know we had, was it Trey once called in? About, yeah, yeah. Uh, Trey from 80s Revisited called in something. one time. No, something no. unimportant. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, the, uh, this was really cool, you know, having uh, people like all the way, on the other side of the country really, uh, you know. Yes. Take like time out to, and uh, call in. And, and it was from fun. From one L.A. to the, for, to the other. Yeah. Yeah, I like talking to people who are in that short film business, like because we do sigilly films, we have Mm -hmm. several short films ourselves and Exactly. It's just fun to relate to people because around here there's not a large crowd of people that who can relate to what we do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh there's not many people to collaborate with, so it's good to connect any way we can with those people across yeah, whatever Mm -hmm. distance they happen to be. Mm -hmm. We could all get together and start a riot. At least through Skype. <laughs> yeah, exactly. A Skype riot. It was a thought. <laughs> join well, this room to join the riot. Yeah, like Jesse said, you know, we can. The funny thing is, we can relate a lot to those guys uh, in terms of uh, yeah. filmmaking and stuff. Once again, check out Sedgley Films on YouTube. S e i d u l e Films. If you want to see some of the things that we've actually put out ourselves, and we're uh, doing the best we can with what we got. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And and one thing I like about these guys, Batman Puppet Master, is that it's a, it was a labor of love, you know. And a lot of people worked for free and that kind of stuff. And it's just amazing that they were able to come out with that kind of product mm-hmm. based with that. You know, I mean, it's just it's it's indie filmmaking at its best. You can't hope Absolutely. for a better turnout, you know. Yeah. So, um, you know, if you want to see some of our stuff, check out that YouTube page. And of course, once again, check out Batman Puppet Master, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. support all of your indie filmmakers, you know, because this is where it begins. People, this is where it starts. It costs nothing to encourage an artist. It, oh, that is the greatest quote <laughs> ever. Yeah. It's not original quote, is it? No. No. <laughs> no. I'm sure it's been around. But it works out. It works out perfectly. Yep. Okay. So at this point, uh, I think we're going to head over to preview review. We're going to see what we have lined up for that. Ooh. Here's an artist you guys need to encourage. Nicholas Cage. <laughs> yeah, he can really use our help. <laughs> All right. <laughs> He's struggling. Yeah. Hey, there are some Nick Cage movies that I really enjoy. I mean, come on. What's, What's your favorite Nick Cage movie? My favorite Nick Cage movie... Uh, Conair. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know what? Awesome. I'm a big fan of. <laughs> I'm kind of a big fan of Face Off. Face Off yeah, is pretty good. Go. Yeah. Sean Archer and Caster Troy. That's right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Face Off is definitely Face better. Off. Yeah. I have it on DVD. Actually. Knowing. Yeah, knowing would be my favorite Nicholas Cage. Knowing, film. really? Yeah. yeah. That mm-hmm. was interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. And Stolen. Is, oh, okay. By Stolen. Nicolas Cage, uh, a former thief frantically searches for his missing daughter, who has been kidnapped and locked <laughs> in sorry. the trunk of a taxi. <laughs> I'm just looking at this poster. All right, so basically yeah. we have Nick Cage. Uh, there's a car upside down on fire behind him. He is running towards yeah. towards you. And what and is the, that tagline? The tagline is, 12 hours, $10 million, one kidnapped daughter. Stolen. Stolen. Yeah, I mean, come on. Also known in as theaters. Ransom, starring Mel Gibson. <laughs> That's right. Yep. 
This is <laughs> so. Uh, well, I saw that movie too. Wow, wow. It was a good movie. We also have Malin Ackerman, Josh Lucas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, scrolling through, scrolling Other through. Other people. Anyway, just based on that, what do you guys say? Uh, this is a rated R movie. Oh, wow. $35 million dollar budget. Could you, wait a second. Could you mm. scroll back up again? <laughs> for a second. Sure. This guy. Oh, this guy, Marcus Lyle Brown there. Marcus the guy who Lyle plays Matthews. Brown. Sure. I talked to that guy on Facebook like a month ago. Oh, yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah. Why? Well, because of. <laughs> to talk him out of doing this. Well, I think, I, <laughs> yeah, probably. I think it was more than a month ago, but we have a common friend. Uh-huh. And this friend knows that I'm an actor as well. So okay. he put me in touch with this guy. Uh-huh. He knows Will Smith. Oh. According to his pictures. Good job, Marcus. He gave me a little sure. advice on, 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 you know. Old school Will Smith. Some, some talent agencies and stuff I get in touch with. Sure. Yeah. Get Good on job, that, man. Marcus. Good job. Yeah. So. Yeah. I'll be asking you for favors pretty soon. Based on <laughs> <laughs> Nicholas. Can I stay at your house? <laughs> Malin Ackerman, Josh Lucas, and your buddy Marcus. Are you going to give him <laughs> a laser teaser? Or a oh, teaser benefit laser? of the or, doubt. Uh or a trailer failure. You know something? Let me know. With Nicolas Cage, mm. it's just like night and day. I know. It? It's like. It could, it could it, be a, it's a hit or miss with him. It really yeah. is. There's no. <laughs> you never know what you're going to get when you get inside the uh, the cage with Nick Cage. Uh, Welcome to the cage with Nick Cage. That's the next <laughs> podcast. I just don't. <laughs> I want to give him the benefit Ooh. of the doubt, but it's like. I mean, you know, it's like, it, what is it? It's just Ransom and Taken and like these <laughs> movies are already out there. I don't know. I, 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 I fear that it's just like, you know, the poor man's Taken. Who's the director again? Uh, the director is Simon, Simon West. West. Oh, the same guy who directed Con Air. Okay. Okay. Well, I never <laughs> saw Con Air. Um, so suck on that. You know what? What's that? Teaser pleaser. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I'm say Same it. guy who made Lara Croft Tomb Raider. Oh, he also directed the new Expendables movie that just came out. Oh. So, be expecting a lot of action in it, and that's all I really want from this kind of film. Teaser pleaser. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. That's I don't rough. know. I'm, you know what? I'm, I think I'm going to have to go with uh, Trailer Failure. Why? Uh, just because I want to be negative. Okay. Fair yeah. enough. Fair enough. <laughs> Yeah, and plus it's rated R, so I'm expecting some good stuff. Yeah. All right, so we got one teaser pleaser, one trailer mm-hmm. failure. Mm-hmm. Let's see who gets it right. Neither of us. And this week, all opinion preview that, yeah. review. <laughs> Stolen. Watch it for yourselves. Here's the trailer for Stolen. All right, we got a bank robbery going on here. That must be for ten million. <laughs> oh sure, yeah. I was just sitting in the car. I didn't rob the bank. <laughs> Alright, so he got busted. What is she now? 14? That was obviously New Orleans. Yeah. yeah. He's got a kid. Hello, Will. Vincent? I want my share. Of the $10 million that was going to change our lives. There is no cash. A daughter of yours. She grew up real nice. What, he burned the money for no reason? I'm sure there's a reason. Oh, yeah. Your former partner has kidnapped your daughter and is holding him in a cab. I'm not being played by you. He's holding him in a cab? <laughs> is that like the whole movie is him looking for this cab? Chasing a cab. This all depends on you. 
to save his daughter. There's no way you can steal $10 million. This isn't your life anymore. I'm running out of time. He has just 12 hours. You don't think he's telling the truth? No you think the police didn't want to, to help him. steal $10 million. <laughs> just steal, yeah, save her. Parish Community Bank. I want this guy nailed. Parish Community your Bank. I don't think those are real. It's <laughs> just words to make it sound like it's in New Orleans. So he has to steal the money to try to get us. Yeah. Does that make sense? Nicholas Cage. In a, oh, now the cars on fire. So this is basically gone in six, 60 seconds. Sure. Plus taken. Yes. Plus national treasure. Uh huh. Because he's just like has to steal something. Sure. And he's got kind of. <laughs> I don't think the voiceover in the trailer added anything to it. it All he, yeah. It just I made it sound cheaper. Stolen. Stolen. Nicholas Cage. He's got to save his daughter. Voiceovers <laughs> yeah. uh, and trailers just don't even really work anymore. Yeah, this is in the early '90s. I'm sticking with my guns. Trailer failure. Uh, I'm gonna have choice. to agree with that. <laughs> yeah. I win. Yeah, I'm gonna have to switch over to trailer failure. Uh, you know, there are just there are movies with the same premise that are just better that are coming out, like Taken Two. Sure, just looks much more interesting than that. I mean, this is a unique premise because he has to actually steal the money. Uh-huh. You know, I haven't. I don't ever really seen that, but just you know, it's still a similar premise. I mean, if somebody had your daughter and said, "Well, you guys just steal me the ten million. I mean, why not just go after your daughter? Because you need ten million to get it back. Well, not really. (laughs) He's just driving around in a cab, just shooting (laughs) tires out. I mean. I'm sure there's other things. Put a road strip down. They might address that in the film. (laughs) Yeah, hopefully. Otherwise, it just doesn't make any sense. Well, there you go. We've changed it to two trailer failures. Yeah. Carriage dispute? Send in an email to geeklydose at gmail.com or hit us at one of our Twitters or just hashtag geeklydose. Yes. And that's this week's preview review. Yay. All right. All right. Nick Cage. Yes. Not <laughs> Nicholas Cage. <laughs> Why did he turn old all of a I don't know. <laughs> I only have two voices. When did the 76-year-old I only have two voices, all right? There's this old voice, and then there's uh, then there's Solid Snake. Those are my only two voices. <laughs> Do a pretty good, uh, pretty good George Takai. Oh, my. Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. Mm, I do believe I'll do this voice from now on. <laughs> okay, that was preview review for this week. Once again, check it out for yourself. Leave your thoughts at all of the information that our producer just gave, as well as the awesome podcast network page, too, if you want to share it there. Yep. Um, at Facebook. Yeah. So at this point, mm-hmm. uh, I'm going to hand it over to Steven. We're yes. going to begin his epic game review. Epic? It's always epic. It Why is. are you so surprised when I say that? Uh, I don't know. It's, it, it is a journey every single time to get through these games. Is it not? Well, I mean, you know, some of them take like 20 hours to beat. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Not this one. Anyway, uh... Yeah, I'm talking about New Super Mario Bros. 2, which is, of course, for the Nintendo 3DS, made by Nintendo, for Nintendo fans, obviously. Uh, and it just came out August 19th of this year, 2012. Uh, and interestingly enough, this is the first game uh, as a part of Nintendo's uh, new uh, digital distribution initiative. Uh, what they want to do with, I want to say, the majority of their first-party titles going forward. I'm sure they they might not be able to do it with some of the like larger ones, like if they do another Zelda. But uh, but for the 3DS and for the Wii U, when it comes out, uh, when a game is released in stores, a, a first-party Nintendo title, you will also be able to download it that same day, uh, if you so choose. 
<clears throat> in fact, the download title uh, for this particular game, I'm sure it will be for all the others, went up at midnight. So if you just wanted to get it earlier than everybody else, you also could have just downloaded it. Uh, and I did download it. Ah, uh, yes. Ooh. Yes. The way of the future is oh here. Oh, my. <laughs> yes. Downloading video. I mean, you know, eventually that's just what we're going to be doing for everything. Just downloading them. Yep. It's true. We're not going to be. It's going, inevitable. Yeah. We're not going to be going out and buying hard copies of things anymore. No. It's a waste. It, it really is. Uh, so, yeah, I'm talking about this game. It's really fun. There you go. No. Uh, <laughs> anybody that's familiar with the Mario uh, games, particularly uh, side-scrolling Mario games, is going to be uh, right at home when they start playing this because it is exactly what you want and at the same time uh, what you expect from a Mario platformer, which is, you know, great controls, excellent physics and stage design. Like, it really is... Mario games, like, they really are just the best of the best when it comes to the platforming genre. Like, like they, they always set the standard, and and this game really does no difference. The, the downside to that is the fact that if you've played any Mario game before, you've played this game. <laughs> like Yeah, just looking at it, it seems very familiar. Yeah, like, they, they really don't do a lot to kind of differentiate. I mean, there are some... There's the gimmick, which I will get to, but other than the gimmick of the game... They don't really do a lot to differentiate this game from other Mario. Like, if, if you saw me playing this game, you wouldn't be able to tell this one from the other New Super Mario Brothers. Mm. Or even the one for the Wii, which mm. was also called New Super Mario Brothers Wii. Mm. They mm. gotta do something about these titles. Like, they just, they, they're becoming kind of complacent now. Or yeah. Uh, but, I mean, you know, it's, it's like you have your 3D Mario games and then you have your 2D games, and now they're just calling the 2D ones New Super Mario Brothers, because I guess as a marketing gimmick for the first one, it worked because it was the first 2D uh, Mario platformer for a long, like, years. Uh, and I guess they just figured they would stick with the title because it works. Mm -hmm. So yeah. anyway, the, let me get to the the, the nitty-gritty, the, uh, the gimmick of the game that really actually makes it all worthwhile, and that is the coins! All the gold coins are everywhere. They rain down from the heavens, and you collect <laughs> them beautifully. When you first start the game, you are issued a challenge of collecting one million coins. Jeez. That's oh. right. Where other Mario games, uh, you might go a stage and maybe find a dozen or so coins, especially the 3D ones where the coins are more tied to Mario's health, uh, so they're not as widely available. This particular Mario game... It's all about the coins. Everything, they, like, literally, you can play a stage, and uh, if you really go for it, can you can find thousands of coins in just one stage. There are Jeez. that many coins. And they have, they give you items to make it even more coinerific. You know, they give you, uh, like, a golden flower <clears throat> where your fireballs turn everything into coins. And they give you uh, a coin block hat that you can wear. And every time you run, coins pop out. Like, it's all about the coins. <laughs> and they keep, a tra they keep track of all the coins you've earned uh, while playing the game across all three save files and the multiplayer modes. Uh, it's all pooled into one pile of coiny goodness because they want you to get a million. I don't have a million yet, but I'm working towards it. It's definitely obtainable, but at the same time, uh, I could see where it would take a while to get to. I mean, what's it like? Is there like a good average of how many coins you feel like you can get on like one playthrough? 
Uh, like of the whole game? Yeah. Um, you know approximately how many you have now. Yeah, you know what? If you play through the whole game, uh, without like specifically like grinding out for coins, and because like I said, on some stages you could get thousands of coins if you really try. Mm -hmm. But if you just play through the the game, you could probably get maybe around a hundred or so thousand coins. So does that mean the other coins are hidden? No, no. Or it's just it's, multiple playthroughs. Multiple playthroughs okay. uh, along with the multiplayer mode. Uh, I mean, that's really how you're going to get your coins. Do we have any idea of what the reward is for that? I don't know. I don't have a million <laughs> coins. Maybe you'll just get a million coins in real life. I don't think that'll happen. <laughs> are we talking pennies or... Yeah, like that's fake a fake Mario coins. Oh, no, a million uh, silver dollars. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Are they gonna like UPS like with a giant that's box? Right. Of, you get a million bucks. Change. <laughs> I don't think American that's currency. So, you know what? In this game it hasn't even been out for a week, but I I have a feeling that someone out there has a million coins already. Oh sure. Like there's all there are always people who just somebody, jump on these challenges yeah, immediately. Somebody sat there and like, oh yeah, a million coins. I'll do that tonight, and they just did. <laughs> uh, but really, just playing the single player mode isn't going to get you there quickly. But this is where the multiplayer mode comes in, and uh, in my opinion, the multiplayer is where this game shines. No pun intended. Or maybe the pun is intended. Shines like gold. <laughs> so basically you've got two multiplayer modes. The first mode is uh, co-op, where you can just play through the whole game with a buddy as Luigi or Mario. It depends on who you want to be. I don't think they control any differently. But, uh, you know, Mario and Luigi gets That's a, true. Yeah. Mario and Luigi. Never much distinguished. No, I think Luigi might be a yeah. little taller. I don't know. Uh, but, yeah, if you've got a friend with a copy of the game and you want to play through the uh, play through it, you can. And, then you know, there's, like, the competitive aspect of, you know, if, I, if I'm Mario and you're Luigi, let's just say that because, you know. Why do I have to be Luigi? Do you want to be Mario? <laughs> yes. All right. Well, you're Toad makes and I'm Mario. <laughs> I'll be Luigi. <laughs> uh, you have to think, like, if there's ten coins on the screen and I grab five of them, you can't grab the five I just grabbed. So you, you're going to end up fighting it out for the coins because you want to get a million coins. So there's, like, kind of a competitive aspect to it. Hmm. The downside, of course, is the fact that... Sibling rivalry. In typical... Yeah, I know. In typical uh, side-scrolling multiplayer, for some reason, the camera is focused on Mario. <laughs> So it kind of has the Sonic and Tails effect where if Mario wants to just run off and have you die, that's yeah. very possible. <laughs> Luigi always gets the shaft. Luigi, Lu Luigi, Luigi, <laughs> he kind of does. But, I mean, you know, he's the, is he the younger? Are they twins? I don't he, know. He's, he's younger. The, he's yeah. the younger he's brother. brother. I mean, you know, it's all about Mario. It really is. He's spoiled. He gets the princess. He gets the coins. He gets Yoshi. He's basically the face of Nintendo. Yeah. What's Luigi get? Nothing, I Leftovers. tell you. I know. <laughs> Sloppy seconds. So anyway, uh, th you know, that's how you play through the game. Let me tell you about the other multiplayer mode, uh, which, in my opinion, might be the best thing to happen to Mario in a long time. All right, so it's called Coin Rush. <clears throat> so let me break down the, the basics of Coin Rush and, and why you're going to want to play it. So... What it does is you, you'll start a coin rush match uh, and you'll play through three randomly selected stages with a super, super short time limit. And there's ways to extend the amount of time you have. And you just have to get as many coins as you can in those three stages without dying and you have to finish the three stages. You die, you have to start over. 
right? Mm-hmm. So let's say you play through and you get like 800 coins. You're like, woohoo, and you save your, uh, you know, your total. What happens is uh, if you come across somebody else with the game, you swap uh, high scores, and then the game challenges you to beat theirs. Uh, so it's kind of like this weird viral competitive coin collecting mode. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's kind of awesome. And, uh, like, it, it really it, it really is kind of, like, addicting. Like, you know, because you see somebody, you're like, how, how did they get a thousand coins? You know, and so you, you play through a couple times, you just can't do it. Like, it's, it's just really, it's really fun. It's really cool. I really like the way that they, uh, that they did it. And, uh, I, I wouldn't mind seeing this being kind of a more regular feature. Well, whatever you can do to increase the replay value. Yeah, and it definitely extends the, uh, the, the value of the game a lot and yeah you know like like in this video right here you know you just you jump on some blocks and all of a sudden 100 coins just rain out but of the just, sky for no reason it just seems like there's no possible way to get all those coins when that happens you know? well no you just have to get as many as you can and hope that the other person didn't get as many as you did yeah. and you know you can be the reigning champion and if you think about because of the viral aspect of the game like let's say you uh you know you set your high score of like oh, i got 10,000 coins on this run uh, and you pass it off to somebody else, and then, like, it's just, you know, your 10,000 coin score, it, like, you know, just becomes viral and it goes across the country, and everybody's like, who's this Tim guy with 10,000 coins? How did he do it and nobody else can? You know, like, you know, it's the possibilities are, are endless. It's kind of it's kind of cool. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, although it being very similar to the other mm -hmm. newer Super Mario games, yeah. this coin rush kind of adds a bit of variety to it yeah it's it definitely it is the standout unique. it is the standout mode uh in this game even more so than the single player of course you have to play through the single player to unlock all of the stages in coin rush mm -hmm. so that's where they get you there but uh but yeah it's 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 kind of the draw in my opinion you know you you have to know other people with the game though that's the only problem well i'm assuming you've only played it by yourself so far huh or have you played it? No, I've only played it by myself, yeah. Well, it's a date. Mm-hmm. Yep. Send an email I mean, to me. challenge. <laughs> <laughs> what? Oh, do you want to play it? Sure. Okay. Well, buy a 3DS and uh, the game. <laughs> and oh, it is on 3DS. Yeah. Never mind. <laughs> it's a handout. What system did you think it was? Uh, I don't know. I, I was just thinking like for, the for some reason. <clears throat> well, they have a Mario. Yeah, they have... Well, because, you know, they do look a lot alike. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they really do. I mean, they have new Super Mario Brothers Wii, like I said. Uh, That's Nintendo racism. <laughs> Man, all these games look the same. <laughs> they all look the same to me. <laughs> yeah, you bastard. <laughs> all these Japanese games look the same. Hey! Hey! hey. Whoa! Whoa! I never said all that. Ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, overall, like I said, you know, this is... Since it is a Mario platforming game made by Nintendo, it kind of is the best of the best in terms of platforming games. Mm -hmm. uh, and if that's what you really like, you will really like this game. But at the same time, it doesn't do anything to, you know, convert the unconverted. Like, if you don't like Mario, if you don't like platformers, you're not... This game does nothing to convince you otherwise. You know, this... Okay, yeah, yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Who doesn't love Mario, right? I know. I mean, I certainly do. Uh, that's really all I have to say about it. I guess the real question is, who doesn't love Luigi? Oh, everyone. Mm, Sending your Luigi love letters. You know letters. what? Maybe, maybe it's because I, I'm the youngest of three. Uh, and, you know, we had 
multiplayer games, but I was never first player, like, when I was growing up. Like, if I was playing with my brothers. That's just how it was. Yeah, for some reason, it was always some kind of battle between who had to be first player and second. Yeah, and I mean, you know, they were older and bigger, and I didn't care. I, too, am the youngest out of my brothers. Yeah. So. I mean, you know, I didn't care that I I was never first player, but uh, I don't have a problem with Luigi. You know, I'll stand up for him. In fact, most games... Uh, like the Mario spinoff games where you have a whole selection of characters like in the different sports games or Mario Kart and all that I never play as Mario because he's always just the the all-around regular basic character you know Mm -hmm. all the other characters are the ones with you know variety to them so Mm -hmm. so yeah screw you Mario you're not so special Luigi is uh yeah although there's one more uh, thing that I have to get to Uh, it's kind of a negative but I feel like it has to be said because this is like I said, on the 3DS, which means you can play it in 3D, and it is a 2D side-scrolling game. The 3D adds nothing to the game. In fact, uh, for some unknown reason, when you put the 3D on, it blurs the backgrounds. Like, and not just like in an eye-focused way, but like it literally blurs them. And you can't help but think that you know some graphic artists out there spent a lot of time working on these backgrounds, and they're just gonna blur it. And it, it just seems kind of lazy. Like, in all fairness, like, it 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 looks like, uh, like, the 3D, it's not bad. Like, it looks good in 3D. It's just because of the way they handled it, it, it almost gives you this feeling like it was originally made to on the regular DS, like, as a not 3D game, and they post-converted it. Like, it feels that way to me. Mm-hmm. But that's really the only negative part that I have to say about it. But, but yeah, like, for some reason, I don't know. When are they going to learn that post-converting is just not a good idea? It just really isn't. Just stop it. Yeah. Stop it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, yeah, but, you know, it's 3D, so you have to pay more. <laughs> That's how they get you. It's 3D. Give us $40 That's instead of 30 Yeah. Oh, we got a little retro Mario showing up. Yeah, they do that kind of stuff. It's, you know, it's fun. That's it. Cool. Okay. Okay. Nice little trip down memory lane there, sure. Mario. Even though this is a new one, but it's still, you know, it's very nostalgic in the side-scrolling nice. thing. It's funny how that works sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, you do all these new versions of things, and then you realize, you know, the original version was actually the best one. Yeah, I know. And then they started going back to that same and it's, it's, stuff. It's, yeah, because it's funny, like, when you look at uh, even the other New Super Mario Brothers games, like for the Wii, they, uh, they have a lot of different power-ups and crazy like penguin suits and all kinds of crazy stuff but with this game it's a lot more basic like you just you have the fire flower and you have the raccoon tail mm-hmm. you know but that's really all you need like they they stripped mm-hmm. it down uh of some of the more complicated like aspects but i feel like that really helped the game mm-hmm. i'm glad they keep making them because or else we would never got like mario 64 which yeah. is one of the great ones too i yeah. heard a lot of amazing things about that one. Oh, you haven't played it huh no, I mean, uh, you know, I only had a 64 for a brief period of time. Wow, so. that was a heavy sigh from my But producer. you know something, though? <laughs> I may have actually played that game, but I didn't own it, so I didn't get to complete it. Oh, well. Yeah. What if you're wrong? I'll give you spoilers. You fight Bowser at the end. <laughs> Just like every other yeah, no. Mario brother. Well, that's fair enough. It's either him or Ganondorf and Zelda. Mm-hmm. Can we get Doctor, some new, can we Doctor, get some new uh, villains for these guys? Dr. Robotnik. Dr. Robotnik. Yeah. yeah. Classic. Um, Thank goodness we don't have to deal with Wesker anymore in Resident Evil, right? <laughs> yeah. You finally got rid of his ass. Yeah. Something, Spoiler. I, I doubt it. I doubt He's He will always show up. He's dead. Didn't he die in the last movie, but he's in the new one? 
Those are the movies. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I'm movie sure dead. he's not dead. In the game, he's dead. I, I, I'm sure if they wanted to bring him no. back, they could. The creator uh-huh. went and made an official statement mm-hmm. and said, Wesker is dead. Until I changed my mind. <laughs> well, yeah. I guess you could add that little uh, footnote to it. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> Okay, well, check out New Super Mario Brothers 2 on 3DS. Uh, it looks amazing. I don't own a handheld game, so I can't play it. But I'm sure you do, so you should play it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so at this point, we're going to um, go into the wrap-up. Talk about um, next week's show a little bit. Um, what do you have lined up for uh, us? Yeah, you so- know what? Uh, next week, I wanted to try something a little different. Uh, you know, we've kind of been on this theme of these, like, indie creators and all. We had some good mm-hmm. people interviewed today. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, I make a comic strip. So next week, I think what I want to do uh, for the book slash games uh, segment uh, I have a bunch of books that, that I use kind of as, as reference and some apps on my iPad that are really cool for productivity. And I figured I would kind of talk about those for a bit. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Sounds good. Um, oh, I think that's a neat idea. Yeah, it is. I kind of talked about this last week, uh, but when I realized we were we were going to get the interview with the Batman Puppet Master guys, I uh, didn't do that, obviously. Mm-hmm. But um, I want to go watch Expendables 2 or Total Recall, or both or something. So I'm going to try to go see one or both of those within the next week, and I'll try to get a review uh, on that. Okay. For that. Yay. So so stay tuned for that. But, of course, uh, you know, if you just really want to keep up with everything that is going on with us, uh, we have a Facebook page. You can like us, Awesome Podcast Network on Facebook. Of course, there are two other podcasts on that network. One of them is 80s Revisited. Take a blast of the past with 80s Revisited. They talk about uh, games from the 80s, movies from the 80s, everything involving that time period and take you back to that nostalgic feeling you had, assuming that you're old enough to remember that. <laughs> There's also or if you want to discover it. Yes. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> it's also Duo Attack. So if you're a fan of Hero Clicks and you're looking to get into that and learn strategy and talk powers and all of those things, um, that's Duo Attack. So mm-hmm. you can check out all of our podcasts on uh, iTunes as well as Stitcher.com. Yeah, we talk about Life After Gen Con, which I don't know if you're familiar with Gen Con. It's the gaming convention. Big one in Indianapolis. And yeah, we go over that and all sorts of other stuff on Duo Attack. Okay. So there you go, you know, switch over right now and go give them a listen. You know, we all, yeah. we We're talk. just about wrapped up. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So uh, once again, I'm Tim Bridgewater. You can find me on Facebook.com slash Tim Bridgewater 2. You can follow me on Twitter at Tim Bridgewater 1. And also please remember to check out my uh, action figure web series on YouTube. Look me up. It's called Batman Dark Force. Uh, subscribe to my channel, TimDog326. Mm-hmm. And of course, uh, Stephen Nelson Teller here. The creator of the comic strip, Real Super, which I want all of you to go out there and read. Uh, and also, if you uh, want anything else to do with me, my Twitter feed, and any information, you could go to real-super.com. In fact, if you go there right now, I've got a full detailed written review of New Super Mario Brothers 2 in case you oh, just didn't get enough in cool. the show. Cool. Very nice. Yeah. So please go check out all of our stuff. Uh, once again, we want to thank the cast and crew of Batman Puppet Master for joining us on this episode. We very much appreciate that, guys. We hope you all enjoy this episode. So on that note, uh, until next time, for Geekly Dose, I am Tim Bridgewater. I'm Steven Nocentelli. Jesse Sedgley. Thank you, guys, and come back next week for your next dose.
show and more at the awesome podcast network's facebook at facebook.com slash awesome podcast network and follow us on twitter at awesome podcasts